0: Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at www.audibletrial.com slash whataretheodds. Over 100,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Welcome to Episode 3 of What Are The Odds, the official podcast of discovertheodds.com. I'm Brachette Mendoza, and I'm your host. Thanks for joining us. So, have you ever sat down with someone to eat a meal? Maybe it was a friend, or a spouse, or a brother or sister, maybe even a parent, anyone really, and, uh, you know, you sit down, and you have your plate in front of you, and they have theirs, and you're eating your food, you really enjoy the dish that you're eating, and and so you eventually convince your companion to, you know, to give it a shot, to try this, this food, it's delicious, and so they do you know, eventually try the food that you're eating, and they can't wait to spit it out. I mean, it's absolutely disgusting to them. So different people have different taste. I can remember being in college and, you know, sitting around eating with my friends. We had so much in common, but when it came to food, we had very different ideas of what was good and what wasn't, so to speak. And and so that was always interesting, mealtime. And even today, you know, I know there are certain foods that I really enjoy that people I know don't. For example, I I love sushi. And yet a number of people I know really don't care for sushi. And uh, on the other side of things, uh, there are certain things that I don't like so much. Um, for example, if you talk about uh, food, there's there are also drinks. And so Alcoholic beverages. I don't really like beer, wine, anything like that. I've always found anything with alcohol in it to be really bitter, so bitter to the point where I can't really fathom why people find it enjoyable to drink at all because it just tastes nasty to me. And yet I know that many people do. You know, people drink socially and just generally enjoy drinking alcoholic beverages. And so, um these kinds of differences have always intrigued me really i've always wanted to know what's behind that and uh I've been fascinated as i've i've learned about what um researchers are saying now, and uh, they're finding more and more evidence and uh more and more information that points to the fact that there's a genetic component to it It's not just that we you know, have certain preferences that we hone and refine over life, but there's actually uh, a genetic um, predisposition that we're born with, and um, there are some of us that are are born with something called taste blindness. And so, we're going to talk about what taste blindness is and uh, how it's different from other things. And so, what you know, non-tasters, those are people who are t- taste blind, experience in food and how that's different from um, super tasters or normal tasters. So to start with, let's talk about what taste blindness is. It's 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 a genetically programmed insensitivity to bitterness and strong taste. Non-tasters or people who experience taste blindness have actually fewer taste buds on their tongue. So it's not that they're absolutely taste blind where they can't taste anything. It's just that when you're taste blind, so to speak, or you're a non-taster, that you have fewer taste buds, and so you have a dampened perception of of taste. And the most noted characteristic of that is is this sort of insensitivity to bitterness. One of the things that's sort of amusing to me is that taste blindness was was very recently discovered, and it was discovered by accident. It was 1931. Picture it. um, Chemist A.F. Fox was working with PTC, that is phenolthibyl carbonide. And the PTC, you know, exploded or something, dissipated into the air. And the person next to AF Fox noticed that it was bitter, the PTC that exploded, um, while Fox himself didn't taste anything. And that incident marked the beginning of of this research, this really fascinating research that has followed. And it's it's about these differences in people and their diets And even in the risk of getting certain diseases and all of this tied to these variations in taste sensitivity that are genetically programmed. So, you know, you you hear this, you know, okay, well, what difference could it really make? I mean, sure, some of us like certain foods and other people don't. Does that really matter? Well, it turns out that it does make a difference. And we're going to explore exactly how much of a difference it makes Um, First, let's talk about the odds. Non-tasters make up roughly 25% of the American population, so the odds of being taste-blind are essentially 1 in 4. And uh, medium-tasters are about 50% of the population, whereas uh, super-tasters are another 25% of the population. And uh, as you know, this podcast is entitled, uh, Are You Taste-Blind?, And so I want to quickly throw out to you uh, two ways that you can investigate and and determine your taster status. There are two quick experiments you can do at home. They're easy and they're a lot of fun to do with someone else. Um, You can compare your findings and, and, you know, have a field day with this. So the first one is actually a tongue test. And what you would need is, it's quite simple, just blue food coloring, cotton swabs, and magnifying glass. You'll need that to sort of look very carefully. And and reinforcement rings for hole punch paper. I'm talking about, you know, if you've got a hole punch piece of paper and, um, you know, you want to reinforce the hole, the the little sticky um, ring that you can put around the hole so it won't tear those reinforcement rings, what you're going to need. And uh, you can find all this information as well on uh, the the article at discovertheodds.com in case you want something handy to sort of follow along with. So what you want to do for this tongue test is, is basically swab your tongue with the blue food coloring and then place the reinforcement ring onto your tongue so that you can focus in on an area on your tongue. And... When you look closely at your tongue with the magnifying glass, you'll see little bumps or dots scattered on the surface of your tongue, and those are actually called fungiform papillae, and they're really important because they house your taste buds. And so if you're a non-taster, you'll see less than 15 of those in that little circular region that you've identified with your reinforcement ring on the tongue. If you're a medium taster you'll see between 15 and 30 fungiform papillae in that area of your tongue. And if you're a super taster, you'll see over 30 papillae in the area you've identified with that reinforcement ring. And so it's pretty simple. Now, if you really want some additional insight into your taster status, there's another uh, sort of test you can do, and that's using PTC test strips. And they're only $2.95 or so. I put a link on the site. Um, you can just click on it and, and order them through Amazon. Um, it's it's $2.95 for like a vial of 100 plus, you know, shipping and handling, whatnot. And basically, you just take a test strip, put it on your tongue. Now, the strip has a bitter taste. So if you are a medium or normal taster, you'll be able to taste the bitterness, but it'll be really slight, very mild. If you're a non-taster, you won't be able to taste the bitterness at all. And if you're a super taster, well, the strip will taste super bitter. (laughs) So with um, both of those tests, it's really quite simple to determine what your taster status is. So now we can actually talk about the discoveries that researchers are making about non-tasters and taste blindness in general. But first, for you, the listeners of the What Are The Odds podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. You know, I listen to a lot of audiobooks, whether I'm traveling or doing stuff around the house, and it has been such a lifesaver for me to have something entertaining to listen to. Right now, I'm listening to Nate Silver's book, The Signal and the Noise Why So Many Predictions Fail But Some Don't. And it is a very engaging book. You probably remember that I talked about Nate Silver's predictions just before the election, the 2012 presidential election. And it turned out that he was right. He successfully predicted. Not only the outcome of the election, but also the electoral outcomes for the presidential election in all 50 states. And his book is just very intriguing. It talks about why predictions fail and and at the same time, why some predictions don't fail, why they succeed. And and he spends some time looking at, at the most successful forecasters in various areas, whether it's uh, hurricanes or baseball, poker. The stock market, the NBA, he explains and evaluates how these forecasters think and and what lies behind their success, and I'm really enjoying it. And and you can get that audiobook, too, or, or or any audiobook of your choice with the free Audible trial. And man, they have the latest titles, all kinds of books, everything from Fifty Shades of Grey to The Hobbit, you name it, they have something for you. So to download. Your free audiobook today go to audibletrial.com slash what are the odds. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash what are the odds for your free audiobook. So you're talking about uh, this research that that is being done about um, taster status, and um, in particular this episode, as you know, is about non-tasters. And so non-tasters have some unique characteristics and we're seeing some 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 data emerge from the research about um not only what non-tasters eat but on possible implications for health both positive and negative actually if you really look at it and to start with um we know that the the tongue of a non-taster is, is different than um that of a medium taster or super taster As we just talked about with the experiments, the non-taster has fewer fungiform papillae on the surface of their tongue, and thus fewer taste buds. And another um, sort of anatomical difference in the tongue is is that there are fewer pain fibers on the non-taster tongue, and that, that proves to be important, and we'll talk about that in just a second. Because these pain fibers are actually clustered with the taste buds. So um, there's Dr. Linda Bardershuk at the University of Florida, and she's done quite a bit of research about taste perception and so forth and, and what the implications are and has found that there is a link in taste perception and disease risk. So we're going to talk about that. And there are also just general differences in terms of dietary habits. On the one hand, Taste blindness can be seen as offering some pretty awesome advantages, (laughs) right? Just think about uh, fruits and vegetables, because researchers point out that many fruits and vegetables have uh, bitter tasting flavonoids. Think about broccoli, for instance, Um, and that bitterness that's found in those vegetables and fruits is is really a (laughs) turnoff to super tasters who are especially sensitive to bitterness. But for non-tasters, not really a big problem. Because they're not quite as attuned to the bitterness in the food. And then you've got spicy foods. Well, non-tasters are more inclined to just love spicy foods because, again, they don't have as many pain fibers on their tongues. And so there's not that sensitivity to the spiciness in foods. Whereas for medium and super tasters, those sensations that are associated with spicy hot foods can be a bit overwhelming. (laughs) So those are some advantages. You've got, um, you know, the possibility of consuming larger quantities of fruits and vegetables without being, you know, completely turned off. And then also, um, you know, tolerance for, for spicy foods. And on the other hand, uh, some studies have found that non-tasters consume more alcoholic beverages, that's a beer, wine, vodka, whatever, per year than tasters do, and that non-tasters have higher rates of alcohol addiction than tasters do. It's thought that they're consuming, the non-tasters that is, more alcohol because, again, they have lower levels of taste and the oral pain perception is not as strong so they're not non-tasters are not really as bothered by that burning sensation of the ethanol that's found in alcoholic beverages and there's even research out there on taste blindness and cigarette smoking at least one study found that heavy smokers are significantly more likely to be non-tasters than medium, or super tasters. And these non-tasters, as the researchers are pointing out, are apparently less irritated by the smoke and less sensitive to, you guessed it, the bitterness of the nicotine. And moreover, scientists are also looking at the connection between taste sensitivity and weight. In one study, Dr. Beverly J. Tepper at Rutgers University found that women in their 40s who were non-tasters actually appear to eat more than super tasters. <laughs> non-tasters had an average body mass index or BMI of of almost 30. And a BMI of 30 or above is classified as obese. So that's that's a pretty big deal. And medium tasters had an average BMI of 26.6 and super tasters have an average BMI of about 23.5. Those are pretty noteworthy distinctions. And scientists are really trying to understand why these differences exist. So if you talk about um, the weight differences, why that's there, what they're finding is that medium tasters and super tasters can perceive the creaminess of high-fat foods while non-tasters cannot. One study even found that supertasters and medium tasters could tell a low-fat salad dressing from a high-fat dressing. Non-tasters could not. And non-tasters also appear to have a lower sensitivity to sugar, so that a spoonful of sugar is only half as sweet to a non taster as it is to a super taster. But scientists do have one huge caution. Do not think of your taster status as your destiny. We are not our tongues. There are plenty of super tasters who eat their veggies and plenty of non-tasters who maintain a healthy body weight. Because when it's all said and done, Although we're influenced by what our tongues have to say about what foods and drinks taste like, we're the ones who ultimately call the shots about what goes into our mouths every day and what shape our diets take over the course of our lives. I'd love to hear from you. Are you taste-blind? Non-tasters, medium-tasters, and super-tasters? Please share your experiences of what food tastes like to you, as well as your observations of the influence of taste sensitivity on the people around you. Post your insights in the comments section of this episode at discovertheodds.com. And don't forget to like Discover the Odds on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, or circle us on Google+. Subscribe to this podcast in iTunes, and please join me for the next episode of What Are the Odds?